What's going on? Let's say that again. Welcome to Carolina Family Church. If you don't know me or maybe you don't recognize me because I'm fresh and clean, um, the running joke is that I don't get my hair cut until I preach. Uh, and I believe my wife wishes I preach more often. She's told me multiple times how much she likes my haircut. I think that's a hint if you guys didn't know that. Uh, anyway, it's been a while since I've been up here. I think I preached a message at Christmas, and I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to apologize for it, but I woke up that morning with 102 temperature. I had sweat rolling down my back. I have no idea what I said. I just know I said Merry Christmas. So I'm feeling good. I've got my coffee right here. Thank you for the uh, coffee team. I really appreciate you guys. Let's give them a round of applause because without them, you'd already be asleep. I am so glad for coffee. Anyway, hey, we're right smack dab in the middle of Matthew in this series that we're in called Solid Ground. Um, and I want to challenge you that if you are not, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I have one and I'm in one. Uh, this series is designed to deliver a message up here and then break that out into small groups and talk about it amongst yourselves. And we've gotten into discussions in our small groups that probably I don't want to mention up here uh, <laughs> and that challenge me so much that I have to take a break from what I'm doing, go back and figure stuff out, and then come back. But this, what, that's what this message is about. It's a powerful message. Uh, it's delivered straight from Jesus. And if you haven't been here or you missed some, I challenge you to go to the podcast, go to the website uh, while you're on your way to work, while you're doing whatever. Get caught up uh, because this is a great series. And we, we do episodes like this where it's multiple uh, weeks in a row. In fact, this one's three months um, because we think that it is important enough that it can change the culture of this church. And that's what this series is for. Just like we had James, it changed us. It was, it was life-changing. The groups change people's lives. And they're continuing. So I want to catch you guys up a little bit on what's going on in the background if you don't know what's happening here in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus has broken away from the crowd. He has his what they say, disciples following him. That's not just the 12, those are his followers. He has basically what is you for him following him to the Sea of Galilee. And I was going to show you a picture of the Sea of Galilee, but I realized I didn't want to get you too far out of here because it is really pretty. Uh, if you can imagine, you know, water, waves breaking, the breeze, the trees, the high grass blowing in the wind, uh, for the area, probably grapevines around. Like he, he just had the best atmosphere to deliver a message. And what he does is he goes up to a hillside, or what we call a mount in the Bible. That's where we get Sermon on the Mount. And he takes a seat. And this is very important because him taking a seat symbolizes that he is the rabbi, the teacher, because in that culture, the people would stand for the message and the rabbi would sit. Much different than we have today. How would you like that? You need a lot more coffee, right? And I thought there was some like big meaning for that, some reverence thing. 
But to be honest, from what I can find in my research, they did that so they wouldn't fall asleep. Honestly. They stood so they wouldn't fall asleep. And what's interesting about this message delivered from the mouth of Jesus recorded by Matthew is that you can read through the whole thing in about 12 minutes. So they weren't standing very long. But it takes us, what, three months to get through it? Because it is culture changing. To this group of people, he was changing the way they think. He was challenging the way they live. And he was dealing straight with their hearts. And it would have been completely counterculture for them. And what's interesting is that from what we've read and what we studied, it turns out it's pretty counterculture for us. At some point, we went from here, and like John said last week or a week before, and flipped back around to who they were. So that's why it's so important that we go back to this because it is just as relevant to us as it was to them. And it can change our lives today just like it changed theirs. So we were in chapter 5. I get to start chapter 6. Chapter 5, let me tell you something. It's challenging. There is a lot of deep stuff in chapter 5. And he comes after him. He does, not, uh, he does not waste any time. First thing he talks about is the Beatitudes. He tells them, you know, this is who you ought to be, and you'd be happier, you'd be blessed if you were these people, if you look like this. And he talked about salt and light and challenged them on things like adultery and marriage and oaths and letting your yes be yes and Old Testament law and all this stuff. He was hitting them hard straight out of the gate. And in a 12-minute sermon, he filled a lot of stuff in there. And then he takes kind of a, a change into chapter 6. It, I look at it as like a, almost like an attitude change because he's, he's telling them who they ought to be. These are the things you ought to be doing. This is how you ought to behave according to these things. This is who you ought to change into. And then he shows them how to do it. He gives them things to do, tells them how to do them to become that person. And that's what I get to talk about today. And I want, I want to do something, and I'm going to hear a bunch of grunts for it, and that's fine. Um, I only get up here once in a while, so if I ruffle your feathers a little bit, that's okay, right? I'll ask for forgiveness later. I had a church that I was in that did this. And I'm not saying we should do it all the time. It's, not, you know, it's just something I want to do because it kind of was what, it, it brings us into the atmosphere of what they were doing. I'm going to read through this entire scripture that I am talking about today. It's not that long, uh, not the whole thing. I want you guys to stand up. Would that be cool? Could we do that? Could we stand up when we read the Bible? Cool. Thank you. I'm not stepping on any toes. It's something I wanted to do. Uh, because it, and I'm not going to sit because I'm not Jesus, right? And I've got uh, multiple microphone packs on my backside, so I can't sit anyway. So here we go, chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And then we're going to skip to verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Thanks. You can be seated. That was cool. I appreciate you guys humoring me a little bit. Uh, I get excited about preaching from the Summer on Mount. Number one, because... All I have to do is repeat what Jesus said, and I've done a good job, right? This is straight from him. I get to stand up here and deliver a message that he has already delivered to people just like he is talking to. And all I have to do is read it. And what I imagine, just side note, because it took 12 minutes to get through this, or it was a short amount of time, what I think is happening it just in my own mind, is that he preaches this, and there's a, there's a large group. I don't know how many. It just has a group. And when he gets done, I can see them sitting and discussing what he just said in small groups. Small groups are important. They can do things nobody else can do. Maybe the disciples, the actual 12, are walking around setting people straight, you know, when they were talking in their groups. But here he delivers... Uh, and they're actually, they're, so they're spiritual disciplines, okay? And that word can be kind of scary, and I know that. So I, I kind of break them into what I call, uh, they're character builders, faith builders. They're habits that make you and motivate you to have the heart of Jesus and get you to where he was talking about chapter five, the stuff we've already gone through. There are things you ought to be doing to get you to where he was just talking about. And one thing I want you to, one word that I want you to have in your head when we're talking about these three things is motivation. That's the key to this entire, to this entire scripture is what is the motivation? What is your motivation? And there's three things that he talks about and almost word for word, verse by verse, you could put them on top of each other. He talks about giving, praying, and fasting. And he says the same three things 
repeated for all three of them, almost word for word. You could put them on top of each other and change the word out of each scripture, and it would mean the same thing. And the first thing he says is when. When you do these things. He doesn't waste time. And remember, he's talking to people who are his followers. That would be you. He's talking to you. And he says, when you do these things. He doesn't waste time with if, because he is assuming that being followers of his, they do these things. I mean, we're going to break them down in just a second, but the only thing I'm going to say about that is, are you? Giving, praying, fasting. Because I can tell you right offhand, I don't do them enough. He gets right to them and he says, when? And the reason I said that these are, they're spiritual disciplines, they're habits, right? They're good habits. They're things we ought to be doing that um, create a type of muscle memory for being like Jesus, having the heart of Jesus, being motivated for the things like Jesus was and is. And the only thing I could think of to uh, talk about muscle memory is, you guys know that, I think I've talked about it before, that I am on the Carolina Family Church golf team, right? Uh, by the way, guys, it's getting ready to start up. Uh, we, we'd like to have some good people on the team, so if you're good or if you're not, that's fine. We like to hang out too. Um, I will tell you, you have to have good muscle memory to be good at golf. I do not have it. I don't. When I show up for the first day of the season, I probably should not be on the team. But I will tell you, by the end of the season, I maybe can fill the D player spot. You know why? Because I, when I get into something, I get into it. I YouTube it. I go to, well, I'll tell you who teaches me in a minute because I'm going to talk about him in a second, but I'm all about it. I eat, sleep, breathe it because I want to be the best I can at it. Even though I'm not good, I want to be better because it's something that I'm doing in repetition. I'm trying to create the right muscle memory to be good. And then I stop, and then eight months later, I try again. Well, we have a guy who's actually not here today, so I can talk about him without, you know, blowing up his ego, who plays bass back here with a ponytail. Jerry, he may not look it. He is a very good golfer. Very good. Probably the best I have played with. And he does it all the time. He's constantly changing out clubs. He works at the driving range on the weekends. Right? He'll go pick up balls before he does his day job. Every time I see something on Instagram that shows up in my feed because I, I like golf, it says, liked by Jerry. Every time, everything. He's all about it. And he actually will stop and teach us. He's a great instructor. But he has the right muscle memory. He is constantly playing, thinking, 
talking about golf. He wears the hats. He's all about it. I can't do that. And even if I did, I wouldn't be that good. But I will tell you, because I get into stuff like this, whether it's woodworking or guitars or whatever, I deep dive into it. And there has been a lot of times where I've been into something, putting all my focus on it. And the Holy Spirit has said, why do you not do that with me? Why are you not working that hard with me? Why are you not doing these things for me? You know what it takes to be good at something or to get better. Why are you not working that hard to be better for me, with me? And it hurts. Why are you not being better? Why are you not working on things like your marriage, like this? Sorry, Monica. She knows. It's tough. But these are habits you have to have in order to be the best Jesus follower you can be, the best Christian you can be, to live your best life in Jesus and be all those things he talked about in chapter 5, all those blessings are these. This is how you get there when you do these things. And the second thing he says is, do them in secret. Verse 4, 6, I believe, and 16. Talk about doing them in secret. Giving, praying, fasting in secret. And let me say this right off the top. Jesus is not against corporate praying. He's not against giving in public. He's not against fasting in public. But what's happening, especially back then, as we talk about them a lot, is you have the Pharisees, right? Who he calls the hypocrites. Who only do these things in front of others to make themselves look more religious. Says they were filthy on the inside, even though they were clean on the outside. That's all they did. Whenever they would give, they would make sure somebody was watching. We call it... Uh, what actually the title of this message is, don't toot your own horn. Don't let your right hand see what your left hand is doing. I tried to keep, we used to say keep it on the down low. I don't know if we still do that anymore. I don't. I am not cool enough to say keep it on the down low, and I don't even know if it's, more, if it's relevant. Lily Grace would have to tell me. Uh, I, I tried to look up something that was uh, like culturally relevant, but I realize most of you are my age anyway, so we don't care. Keep it on the down low. That's what he's saying. Because the motivation should be that you're doing it because you love God and love others. You should be doing it because you love Jesus. And in turn, you love other people. That's the motivation. Not to do it in front of everyone. Not to show people how good you are. And that is completely counterculture. That is not what culture tells us 
we ought to be doing. Because what? We want someone else, we want everyone's approval. We want people to look at us like we're good people. We want people to see when we give something. We want people to see when we're blessing our food at a restaurant, to hear us loudly. That's a little stretch. But that's what we want. We want to be, we want to be seen. And so did the Pharisees. And when they would pray, they would stand on the corner and scream it. Oh, God! And look around. And that's about the only time they did it. When they fasted, we read what they did. They would make themselves, they would put ash on their heads, tear their clothes, make sure everyone knew what they were doing. That is the wrong motivation. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, what is your motivation for it? Is it so other people will think you're better than you are? Or because you think you're good, so you want other people to think that too? When I was a... This is, I'm going to give you guys this example. I, you know, if I can't make fun of myself, who can I make fun of? When I was younger, because this is just a perfect example of this, and I added really, it's about the only one I could give you that would hit right at the heart. Um, I had gone, come to a church that had a band like this, that had a youth, had a youth band. It was amazing. And I could play a little bit and I could sing a little bit, and I could do some stuff, and I wanted to get involved. I really honestly wanted to get involved because I had the talents, uh, and I wanted to grow those talents, and I, I love God, and I wanted to do stuff for God. I did. And I was 16, 17, 18 years old in this, in this time frame, and I got on stage, and at some point, something changed. I don't know if it was on purpose or a minute. I can't remember. But I know that at some point, I started being up there because I wanted people to see how good I am. I wanted people to see me playing guitar. I wanted my friends to see what I could do because it made me feel good about myself. And it stopped being about Jesus. And it, stopped being, it started being, you know, I'd do a guitar solo and I'd be right up here, you know, with people right down there just looking at them. Like, yeah! And... I was going to do a, you know, like sometimes in other churches we do special songs, you know, where we do a, maybe a culturally relevant song or a song they play on the radio or something like that, and it has something to do with the message. And we had a song that I was going to do. I was going to lead it. I was going to sing it. Um, it was probably rock and roll. It was probably something like Creed or something because it fit my voice. You know, that's why I don't sing up here because I sound like Creed anyway. Um, and... The pastor scratched it. The youth pastor did. For whatever reason. And he saw an attitude change in me because of that, because I just lost my moment. I lost my solo. And I was devastated because I was 16, 17. And that's what we do as teenagers. We get devastated for little things. And um, he saw what was going on within me, and he pulled me off the stage, and 
I was, oh man, I was angry. But you know, immediately it was wrong in my heart. My heart was in the wrong place because I was reacting poorly. As a kid does, but still. I had gone from being up there for the right reasons to being up there for the wrong reasons. I was wanting to sound my own trumpet. I was wanting to toot my own horn. I was wanting to pat myself on the back and have everyone see how good I was, even though I was not that good. What is your motivation for doing these things? Because the next part, I will tell you, the third part that's common in all of these is something we overlook every day. Because it's hard for us to think like that. Because the third part in the closing out of all of these sections is that if you do this with the wrong motivation, it's not that you won't be rewarded, it's that you'll be rewarded by man. And you will miss out on God's reward. And we don't think about that. It's hard to think about that. Because we want something now. We want it now. We want it posted now. We want people to read it now. We want people to see it now. And if it was five seconds, five seconds ago, it's over. No longer relevant. Move on. That's the culture. That's our culture. We want it right now, immediately. And once you have it, it's gone. That's our attitudes a lot of times. So we have a hard time seeing God's reward. And it doesn't say whether it's heavenly rewards or earthly rewards. It doesn't matter. His reward is way more than anything you can do. Way more. It's inheritance. It's legacy. It's all those things. And if you are doing this stuff for the wrong motivation, you are missing out on benefits Honestly, benefits of being a Christ follower. It's mediocre. It's a mediocre life. And you're missing out on the rewards that he has for you, for all of us. Because it's hard for us to think about. You don't wake up every day and say, well, I'm going to live today for my rewards. And I'm not saying that should be your motivation. But when you become Jesus, when you do these things, when you do them for the right motivation, you get them anyway. What's your motivation for being like Jesus? Those are the three commonalities. Okay, we're going to break them down real quick and talk about the how. We're going to do this really fast. The giving part, okay, when you are already giving. I will say this, this, it's not about money, okay? This actually talks about charitable deeds. This is not talking about money. Though I say this, I will say this. Carolina Family Church is, we think about what you give and what to do with it all the time. So much so that instead of trying to find a building, we developed Carolina Family Center, a nonprofit outreach that, by the way, is not for newspaper ads. It's not for media for Carolina Family Church. It's to help people. And that is something that you could not do individually. But altogether, as a church, 
We have created something that's taken a little while to get off the ground, but when it does, it's going to help so many people that you cannot imagine. Done because of the right motivation, for the right reasons, in secret. They're not even going to know that the church sponsors it. But if they want a good church, we're going to tell them where they can find one. Done in secret. And I guarantee you, because of that, God is going to bless this church. Doing things like the shoe giving, the coat drive, the baby diaper stuff, that, that is stuff you cannot do individually. That as a church, as a group, we reach so many more people. That is what giving in this atmosphere does. And we will get rewarded for that. But what it's talking about is charitable deeds. It's what you do with your time, with what God's given you to other people. And the motivation is generosity because God, if if nothing, is generous. And that's who he wants us to be. The motivation, because of him, because of these things that we're working on, these habits, he shows us ways that we can give. To whom? With time. With what? John 3.16 is a, is a very famous passage, but there's a, a good one, too, that's in 1 John 3.16. And I'm going to paraphrase it. It's... What is love? Love is that God laid his down, down his life for us, that we should too. And then it says, if you have brothers and sisters who are needy, and you have the ability to give, them, give to them, and you do not take pity on them, you do not do it, how do you know what love is? You are not love. Because someone who loves will lay down their life for someone else, will give them when they don't even have it. That's what giving he's talking about. When you give, this is how you should give. Everything you have is from him. He already has it. He already owns it. He's expecting you to do what he wants to you with it. By working on these things, listening to him, being led by the Holy Spirit, a spiritual discipline. And then when he says give, give it. And he'll give it back to you. In whatever way you need it. And the next one is praying. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot about praying. Actually, I'm going to hardly talk about it at all. Not because it's not important. But if you notice, we skipped a big chunk of Scripture from 9 to 15. It's very important. It's the Lord's Prayer. I skipped it because John's going to talk about it next week. And he's the smart one. And he uses notes and stuff. So it's going to be really good. But I need to talk about it because it fits in my outline. And I'm just going to say this about it. Do you pray? He says when, expecting that we already do it. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a problem for us to pray in public. I think it's a problem that we don't pray enough. And the only thing I'm going to say about it is this. When you do not come before God with humility, when you do not kneel before Him 
Show him who you are, who he is. You never give him the opportunity to show up strong in your life. It says you ask, you have not because you ask not. You never have the opportunity to build on faith, to build on this character stuff, to build on these habits because you don't do it. Because that is our nat- that's our nature. That's my nature. I want to do things myself. I don't need help. I don't want help. I'd rather spend three hours trying to figure it out where you can tell me how to do it in 10 minutes because that's who I am. That's who a lot of us are. I don't ask God because I don't want to have to. I want to figure it out myself. And then I end up in a bind, in a mess, and he says, "What? you just asked me, I would have fixed it. I'm waiting to help you. You're not asking. You never give him the opportunity to show up if you don't ask him to. He wants to. He wants to show up. He's just waiting on it. Do you pray enough? That's a, that's a no, because you can't. And what's your motivation when you do? And the last one I'll talk about really quickly before you go eat is fasting. <laughs> this is a cheap joke. I got it. There's good. Um, I will tell you, according to my Facebook posts that pop up from three, four years ago, I do not fast enough. Because I was probably 30 pounds lighter, and it was a totally different person. But having said that, uh, fasting is the most underrated and underutilized tool we have as a Christian. Because we understand how to fast because we do it a lot, for things like uh, what, for me personally, I, little known fact, I, I actually intermittent fast. So I only eat from 12 to 8, Monday to Friday. And that's to make up for all the mess I eat on Saturday and Sunday. But also, because I have high cholesterol, I have high blood sugar, all, all those things, I'm, I'm 40 plus. So those things have caught up with me. And doctors suggested that I try intermittent fasting and I I found out that if I eat from 12 to 8 and only eat in that window and I don't move it, if I don't start eating until 3, I finish at 8 no matter what. It helps. It has benefits. We understand those things. A lot of us uh, even participate in, in Lent. But we give up things like social media. We give up things like, like drinking like sugar Uh, We give up things that we know are harming us or that we need to take a break from because we know there are benefits to that. Well, Lent was designed for a whole other reason. Fasting is not new. In fact, it's listed over 65 times in the Bible. They have partial fast, half fast, full fast. They knew what fasting was about, and that's what Lent is for. It's to take something away from you, to take that time and focus on God before Easter. It's trying to get your life back where it needed to be, back on track to focus on Easter. That's what Lent is about. And that's what fasting is about. We ought to be taking time away from food or from something else you'd be doing and spending that time focusing on God. 
to be better at all these things, to work on chapter 5 as a spiritual discipline, as a habit-forming, character-builder, faith-builder. I mean, I, maybe you guys do it all the time, but I can tell you something, not something I really, I really do. And I, the bad thing is I know the benefits because when I was a pastor in West Virginia, we used to have to fast one day a week, all day. We could pick the day, but we had to, we had to and I usually, I usually picked the day of my, that I would work on my sermon on building it because I found that if I would take the time to pray for people and to focus on God and to ask him what he wanted me to do, he would tell me. He would show me. The message would be so much better if I took the time to give it to him and took the time where I would be eating or we'll be doing something else and play Christian music and worshiped or prayed or did something good for someone else. Mm. Listen, if you guys are struggling, if there's something wrong, if you've got a big decision that's coming up, a job decision, or something in your marriage isn't right, take a, take a second. And, fa- and, and fast from something you already do that takes up a lot of your time. I'll tell you, it, and I'm one of the worst for it. If I sit down, my phone's in my hand. It's just now natural. It's part of my arm. And I don't even know why. Because I'm not even looking at anything. This is the same thing on Facebook that was there 30 seconds ago. That's a habit I could probably try to break. That I could fill with something else. All I'm saying is a reason that he says it. Because fasting can help you get in tune with God. And he will help you with those things because it, it gives you time to pray. It gives you time to do all the other things that are character builders or faith builders. That when you need help, he's there. This allows you to focus on him. Do you fast? Do you pray? Do you give? And what is your motivation? What is your motivation for it? I'm going to do something a little bit different, as I did a minute ago, because I'm a different kind of guy, if that's okay with you. Where's the band? Are you behind the curtains? Look at the man behind the curtains. Come out. This is my idea of a smooth transition, by the way because I also have to transition to the guitar and put my ears in and all that stuff, which is going to take a second. Hey, Lily Grace. You did a good job today. I, think, I thought maybe we needed a little reminder of who we are trying to be and, and what the stuff we're talking about, how it benefits us, what it will turn us into, and what that will do for us. So halfway through this message, through the three months, I wanted to revisit the beginning. So you guys do me a favor and stand up, and the band is going to do this with us, because we're getting ready to sing anyway, so you might as well stand up. I'm going to read these. They're going to be on the screen. And I want you to think about each one of them. 
and who you are in these things. Chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Who are you in this? What do you need to work on? What of these things that we talked about can you do more of to get more of this, to be more of this? Blessed means happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. This is what it looks like to be happy, which is completely against our culture. Who are you? Do you want to be more like this? Do you want to be happy? You can simply by doing what Jesus said, getting closer to him, having the right motivation. Not about you. Not about an attaboy. Not about look at me. The motivation to be generous because that's who Jesus is. And that's who we want to be like. Says it. If we had a front door, it would say it on the front door when we came in. Know God, find hope, live free, do good. In that order. Who are you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Not only for me to be up here, but for me to speak to your followers just like you did. I pray that you would you would help us, you would show us in our daily lives what we need to work on. If it's not holding on to the things we have, but giving them to the people who need them because you gave them to us for that reason. If it's that our prayer life isn't what it ought to be, it's not where you want it to be. If there's something in our lives that we need to break away from, that we need to fast from, that's taken time away from you, that we can take that time to get closer to you. I ask you to just let us build these habits to form that muscle memory. And let us give you the opportunity to show up, to be strong. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.